It's Sunday morning and we're talking about the lies that's going on in America in the name of Jesus. We're talking about the apostasy. Apostasy, let me tell you what most people think the apostasy is. They teach dispensationalism. Dispensationalism is a corruption of truth. Uh, most people, they talk about there's a dispensation. They say dispensation is a period of time. Let me tell you exactly what it is by definition. Dispensation is not what they say. They say dispensations are periods. Periods of time. They say Adam lived in innocence. I saw these charts all over churches when I was growing up. We'd go to some fellowship. Some preacher put these all the way around the church. This is a bunch of garbage, what it is. Innocence, and then they say Adam lived in innocence, and then Noah lived in conscience, and then there was the law. Now, a lot of people have put different spins on this so-called dispensationalism. Let me ask you something. What does dispense mean? If you put a dollar in a Coke machine, what does the Coke machine do? It dispenses a Coke to you, doesn't it? Sometimes. Dispense sometimes. <laughs> it means to give out. means to give out or to share with. It can't be periods of time. Then they'll say you got the law and you got many variations of this. Some people put many other divisions in it. Then they say you have the dispensation of grace or the church age. And then when they have a pre-trib rapture, which is not true, we're going to be changed at the last trump. Behold, I show you mystery. First Corinthians fifteen fifty-one fifty-two. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye now, the eye twinkles, I've looked that up, at approximately one billionth of a second. You're not going to have time to look up in the sky and see Jesus appearing. It's going to be, it's going to be faster than zing. It's going to be faster than that. You, you can't even blink at that speed. In the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump. Last, eschatos, E-S-C-H-A-T-O-S. Eschatos, we get the word eschatology, E-S-C-H-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y. Eschatology means the study of the end times. Eschatology. Eschatos means the last in a series after which no other trumpet will sound. Well, to finish this dispensationalism, they says there's going to be a seven-year period for the Jews only, and that men is going to be raptured out at the beginning of the tribulation. The Bible says we'll be changed at the last trump, after which no other trumpet will sound. When you get into Revelation, there are seven trumpets, and I had a guy write to me and said, a trumpet and a trumpet are two different things. You're ignorant. 
when you look them up in the scripture there are salpinks s-a-l-p-i-n-x salpinks they're the same word that'll make sense huh what does he mean? Uh, he just got some crazy imagination. He's wanting to defend uh, pre-trib rapture is what he's wanting to do. And then this is one of the this is one of the many false doctrines of the Baptists, the Pentecostals. They say we're not going to go through tribulation. What about what about the apostles? If you've got if you got If you got uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, right in the front of Fox's Book of Martyrs, it tells you how all the apostles died. It tells you that Peter was crucified upside down. Tradition tells us he told his his uh, firing squad or the men that were going to execute him, crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same fashion as my Lord. And then... Andrew was crucified on a St. Andrew's cross. Andrew. St. Andrew's cross is like an X where he was stretched out like so. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded. Paul was beheaded. That's what they did back in that day, beheaded. And they all had a different way that they died. You can read that in Fox's Book of Martyrs. You mean these people are going to be killed and there were millions during the Inquisition, the Spanish Inquisition, the the Roman Catholic Inquisition. That was where the, for over hundreds of years they killed 60 million Christians because they would not partake of the sacrament of the Mass. Back up about 300 years and ask your ancestors, ask your ancestors if they thought Christmas was evil. They'll say, you get out of here. Don't you even talk about that. Because they were killing them if they would not partake of the sacrament of the Mass. First thing they were doing was torturing them, peeling their skins off, pulling their fingernails out, put them out of joint, then put them in prison, bring them back out the next day and do it all over again. That You want to read something that will make you sick, read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Some people I've recommended to say, I, I can't handle reading that. It happened, though. So the Bible says there's seven trumpets in Revelation 8, 9, and 10. 8, 9, and 10. And in the 10th chapter, verse 7, the Bible says, At the sounding of the seventh trumpet, that's the last trumpet, Christ has got one foot on the land and the other on the sea and says, time is no more. The last trumpet sounds at the end of time. Now here's what gets me. that They've come up in this dispensationalism was a thousand year reign. But wait a minute. At the end of the seventh trumpet, the time is done. Time is over according to Revelation 10 and 7 but they've got a thousand is a thousand years is that time that the thousand year reign if you read go to Augustine in the clinic and strong or look up Kilia this is the word thousand Kilia just look that up 
they will tell you that Augustine said this had a Jewish stamp on it because the Jews wanted their thousand year reign. And so they added this thousand year on. Well, if the end of time comes at the seventh trumpet, you cannot have a pre-trib rapture and you cannot have a thousand years, can you? I don't know why I'm the only guy that can see that. It boggles my mind. It's because I don't pay attention to scholars. I look at what the Bible says. So this is called dispensationalism. Innocence, conscience, law. And some of them have modified this to have other divisions in it. Let me give you the word dispensation. It's funny when you look at the word dispensation. In the Greek text, here's the word dispensation. Oiko N-O-M-I-A. Dispensation and the word stewardship are the exact same word. I don't know why they translated it that way. Oh, wait a minute. Half the translators are Roman Catholic. There you got it. Boy, they twisted a lot. It's not the King James Bible that's the inspired word of God. I use a King James Bible because it comes from the Textus Receptus. Textus Receptus is a Latin word. It means received text. And we've got that in an interlinear Bible. It's got the Greek on the top line, and it's got English right under it. I don't even trust the English in the translators, the interlinear. In fact, Mr. Green, I use an interlinear to look at the Greek word, and I could kill us with the English. I just want to know where it is, exactly what the Greek word is, and then I'll translate it for myself. The way these guys have done is crazy. And uh, so what you need, get an interlinear Bible. I call Mr. Green. Baker Publishers put this out. I called Mr. Green before he died up in, uh, and this is Green's, J.P. Green's Interlinear Bible. I said, Mr. Green, do you know anything about parsing words? That is, parsing is getting a Greek lexicon, dividing the sentence up to the subject, the verb, and the predicate, which is everything after the subject, either the direct object or the uh or the predicate nominative, the line should be like that for predicate nominative points back to the subject. I said, do you know anything about word parsing? He said, I don't know anything about it. But yet he put this book out, so I'm not going to trust his translators. I don't trust the translators of the interlinear Bible. I don't trust the translators of King James. I know this is the original text, so I'll look in here and see what it means. Find out something about it. Now, so they've got dispensation. Dispensation is the word oikonomia, stewardship. It means the economy. Actually, it comes from two words, oikos and nomos. It's real simple when you know what these words mean. Oikos is house or family. Well, who is the house of God? Hebrews 3 and 6. 
Christ is a son over his own house. Whose house are you? You're the house of God. Comes from house and the Greek word nomos. Everybody here knows what that word is. What is it? Somebody tell me. Law. Law. Means the law of the house of God. We're God's house. What we dispense is God's law. Well, the law's been done away with. It has not. Do we make void the law through faith? Yea, we establish the law. All the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love is agape. That's walking in the commandments of God. Agape. All right. What's really amazing, everybody needs to get themselves a Webster's Dictionary and you look up the word in here, you look up in here, it'll tell you, be sure and get a uh, collegiate dictionary. It'll have where the words come from. And when you look up the word economy, economy, it'll tell you it comes from the Greek word Economia. Economy. When you say economia, the word dispensation, it comes out, you say it with a twist on the words, economia. Economy. Economy. That's where the word economy comes from. It means the economy of a household. It's not a period of time. These dispensationalists have inserted a pre-trib rapture. They're saying that people under the under grace are saved different than Noah was back here. Wait a minute. The Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Right? What it says. And it says over here in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, by faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Noah was saved by grace through faith, wasn't he? There's no difference in salvation. It is not a period of time. And nearly every church in America preaches dispensationalism. And I've never heard one of them define the word. It's because they don't believe in studying the Greek text. Now... I'm talking about, I've been on the subject of the lying false teachers. There's a couple of verses I've been using as a springboard verse for these guys. One is over there in Second Peter, if you want to turn over there, Second Peter 3 and 16. This is Kenneth Copeland, Fred Price. Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, John Avanzini. These are some of the kings, Oral Roberts, uh, and the list goes on and on. These are the kings of the charismatic movement. Kenneth Copeland is their daddy. Kenneth Copeland used to be a pilot for Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts was a so-called faith teacher. He believed that you could be healed. Now, here's a funny thing about Oral Roberts. 
He built a medical school in Tulsa, Oklahoma on a faith healing doctrine. What? If faith can heal, what's he doing building a medical school? Why don't they just go into old Roberts University and lay hands? And those are good doctors out there. Just lay hands on everybody and say, everybody's dismissed, we're going to heal everybody. Be healed, be healed, be healed. And why is it when they say, be healed, they have to scream it real loud? God can't hear. <laughs> yeah, God must be deaf. It's stupid. When... When the Bible, when Jesus is giving the apostles the Great Commission and Mark the 16th chapter, he said, you'll take up serpents. Well, this is another one of their phoniness. When you go into East Tennessee or Eastern Kentucky and you run out there into some real country preacher, Pentecostal faith healer, and he's a snake handler, I learned this from the Crocodile Man on TV. You know who the Crocodile Man was, the guy that got stabbed in the chest and died by a stingray? Uh, what's his name? Steve, uh, Steve, Irwin. Hey, Steve Irwin. He says that if you keep rattlesnakes cold, that they won't strike and won't bite you. He said you can crawl into a rattlesnake den where there are a thousand rattlesnakes if they're all cold none of them will bite you these guys in east tennessee they figured that out they keep them cold and then when they're get ready to pick them up wave them at people they uh they're cold but if they warm up oops some of them warm up and strike some of these guys and they die when the Bible says you'll lay hands on serpents, it means in that case, it's probably nearly every time you find serpent, it's talking about false teachers. That's amazing. Uh, this one guy, I saw Ricky Skaggs, crazy Ricky, <laughs> don't have good sense. I saw him go to one, I think it was this same guy's church, and the guy kept trying to tell Ricky, here, take some of these snakes. He said, no. <laughs> oh, I mean, they're funny <laughs> and this same guy that where Ricky's in his church he got bit on the neck and died well the Bible doesn't say you'll take up serpents and then you'll be okay after they bite you that's what it means because in the 28th chapter of Acts when Paul was being taken to Rome he was shipwrecked on the island of Miletus. M-I-L-E-T-U-S. Miletus. When he was shipwrecked, these heathens were there on this island. And he reached into a fire to pick up some wood to put on the fire. And a Mediterranean viper hung on his hand. Now, I've looked up the Mediterranean viper. They've got curved fangs. And they dig them in and they hang on the Bible says this serpent hung on to his hand and after he had bitten him Paul slung him off into the fire and he never swelled up the first thing the pagans said they said if something like this happened to you you had to be an evil man and this was judgment upon you they said God's judging him then when his hand didn't swell up they said he's a god so it's not talking about 
you'll get bitten by serpents and maybe you won't die. You won't die. One thing these guys do, they all will handle snakes, but you never saw one of them. In the same text in Mark 16, it says they'll drink any poison drink and it won't affect them. You've never seen one of them drink strychnine. That that ain't going to work. They just got part of this. And it says they'll speak with other tongues. That's the word glossa, foreign languages. It doesn't mean jibber-jabber. Glossa. Heteroglossa. Hetero means other foreign languages. Glossa comes from glossary, which is a section of a book that have words that are foreign to the average reader. Now, in that 16th chapter, it's talking about the gifts that God gives the apostles. The apostles have gifts that we don't have. If we had the gifts like these charismatics say of the apostles, Peter raised Dorcas from the dead. Her real name was Tabitha. He raised her from the dead. Well, wait a minute. Have you ever seen one of them raise the dead? I heard one of the guys, one of the charismatic supermen, say, well, there was a guy over in Africa. He was 500 miles from civilization, and he was raised from the dead. They never do have any local thing about it. In fact, R.W. Schambach said, there was a man that was killed in Africa. R.W. Schambach is a sham, or he was a sham before he died. He was a con man. He said, this man died, and he had he had a car wreck, and it ran all these posts through him, and he died, and they embalmed him. Now, they got the guy embalmed, and they put him in the bottom of this church, in the basement of this church, and he said, while I was preaching, this man got up and started walking around with embalming fluid in him? You believe that? If you believe that, I've got some swampland in Florida I'd like to talk to you about. You can't believe those people because they say it. Everything the charismatics say is a lie. When you say charismatic, what do you mean? Charismatic. You can be any denomination and be a charismatic. What I'm doing is I'm showing you verses where they have corrupted and lied about. They've lied about everything. Everything they say is a lie. Let me give you this verse over here in 2 Peter 3. Verse 16, As also in all his epistles, speaking of Paul, this is Peter talking about Paul, speaking in them of those things in which are some things hard to be understood. The reason they're hard to be understood is because people don't define the words. Which they that are unlearned. Unlearned is the word amathes. A-M-A-T-H-E-S. You can remember that by remembering the word math or mathematics. The word mathetes, which comes from the same word, M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S, is the word disciple. 
And the Bible says in Luke, Luke 14, 27, you cannot be my disciple without a daily cross. Now, you, one thing you never hear these people talk about is a daily cross. They don't talk about a daily cross, death to self, self-denial. They never, I have never heard any preacher in the world ever in my life, and I've been teaching for 57 years. I started studying the Bible back years ago. Come on in, Judy. I started studying the Bible 63 years ago, and I have learned that these people don't know nothing after I've studied. I've been studying the Greek language for over 40 years. And none of them ever talk about a daily cross. I've never heard a preacher ever talk about John 15, starting in verse 18 forward. Never heard anybody comment on this. Not stop, slow down, and say something about it. This says, if Jesus is talking, he tells his apostle, if the world hated you, hated me, it will hate you. You have to be hated by the world in order to be to believe in truth. Somewhere, if Christ is coming to your heart by his will, we're born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. If Christ is coming to your heart, somewhere along the way, you can't keep from telling people these truths, can you? If you learn them, I tell people, use the Greek language, use the Greek words, use them when you talk to people. You'll get used to it, and when you find out, they don't know what to say when you use a Greek word. You go, oh. They'll get puzzled. You want to do that all the time. I've never heard anybody talk about if the world hated me, it will hate you. If it persecuted me, it will persecute you. You are, If you are of the world, you're going to be hated. And you're not going to be hated. The world loves the world, but the world does not love the believer. They may be polite to you, but they don't love you. Now, I've never heard anybody preach a message on that right there. said that a thousand times. So these men that are unlearned, mathetes comes from the word, mathes comes from the word mathetes. The alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, when in front of a word as a negative particle, it's a neg part. It's called the alpha privative, alpha privative. It negates the word. It negates the word. It means to give an opposite meaning. It means no learning. The word disciple means learner. Disciple means learner. So if you're not a learner, that's what causes you to be corrupt. If you don't learn the scriptures, look at what he says. They are unlearned and unstable. The word unstable, osteros or osterico, A-S-T-E-R-I-K-O. That's also the alpha primitive that, did, that 
negates the word stereo or stereos. That word stereos means to be firm, founded, to stand, and they don't have any standing in truth. So they are unlearned, and they're unstable, and they rest. They rest the word of God. Rest is the word streblao. Streblao. Streblao means to wrench or torture. They torture the word of God. All these charismatics torture God's word. Twist it all to pieces. Say they they're the positive confession people. I've already been through this thing of calling things that be not as though they were in Romans four seventeen. Something that was not was something that was dead. When when Herod gave the command throughout Israel in the second chapter of Matthew to kill all the children from two years old and under, Jesus was living in a house with his mother. The wise men came to the house where the young child was. He was a young child, two years old, and Herod sent an edict throughout the land to kill every child from two years old and under so he could be sure and get this new king of the Jews. When he killed them all, the Bible says Rachel was weeping for her children because they were not. Means they were dead. Something that is not is something that's dead. The Bible says in verse 17 of Romans 4, I've gone through it already. I'm going to remind you what these things say. It says, God quickeneth the dead and called the things that be not as though they were. What he's saying, quicken dead. Here's what he's saying. He quickens the dead, i.e., that is to say, to call things that be not as though they were. Something that was not was dead, and then it quicken, Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O, means to make alive, make, poeo, zoo, alive. To make alive the dead. Then he says, that I-E means, that is to say, the same thing is calling things that be not as though they were, and then he tells you what the quickening of the dead is, as though they were. T-H-O is short for T-H-O-U-G-H, okay? All right. And then the next verse says, Abraham... Believe God, believe God, even though his body was dead. It's talking about his dead loins. He didn't have sperm or seed anymore. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, deadness of Sarah's womb, he called Isaac from the dead, from the dead womb, dead loins of his father, 
and the dead womb of his mother. And then the Bible says, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Stagger is the word diacrino. Diacrino means to discriminate. Discriminate. We know what discrimination is. That is judging things according to your thoughts. Actually, it's the word dia and crino. Crino is the common word judge. Dia means the channel of judging or the method of judging. You become a false judge when you discriminate. And Abraham did not stagger at the promise of God. So staggering is diacrino, it's unbelief. Abraham staggered not and did not become the judge of himself just because his body was dead and the deadness of Sarah's womb. God says, you're going to have a child and you're going to call his name Isaac. Abraham said, okay. That simple. Okay. That's the faith of Abraham. And that's the gospel according to the third chapter of Galatians. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel to Abraham. What was the gospel preached to Abraham? The gospel is a resurrection, isn't it? According to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. The gospel is a resurrection. So the resurrection was preached to Abraham when God says, you're going to have a son, she's going to have a son, and you're too old to, but I'm going to quicken your womb, I'm going to quicken your loins and her womb. That's the gospel preached to Abraham. Now, all right. They rest the scriptures, as they do also other scriptures, unto their own destruction. I believe this is what Copeland and all the rest of those guys are doing. I do not believe any of those people are believers. If you believe God, you believe hey, you have to have a daily cross and death to self. You can't be saved because you walk down an aisle and claim to have accepted Christ because you can't accept Christ when you're dead. The natural man does not receive spiritual things. Receive, decomai, means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been presented. Now, one other verse I want us to look at over here. In 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, you want to know what these guys are? I love this verse. This, is, this describes them. Verse 17. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. I love that word, corrupt. The word corrupt is kepaluo. K-A-P-E-L-E-U-O. Kepaluo means huckster. Now, for some of you that don't know what a huckster is, it reminds me of when I was a little boy back in 1948-49. I'd be a little kid and go down to the fairground. Then I'd have a guy standing out in front of one of those 
little theaters are standing in front of Pat throwing, except we threw nickels to those plates. Now I guess they throw dollars or something. We was trying to land one of them in a plate. And the guy would be out there saying, step right up for one thin dime. Uh, you could walk in here and you could see the lady with two heads. That's a huckster selling Jesus for money. They're crooks. Every one of those people are crooked. They're going to have to screw Creflo Dollar in the ground because he's so crooked. They're liars. Now, I don't have any problem of calling a man that lies a liar. Most people won't do that. They say, well, that's very crude language. No, if the guy's lying and stealing from the poor, which is what those people do. They do it in the name of Jesus. So, they corrupt the Word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Speak the truth. Now, I've been on the subject of what these guys say that are lies. I've been going through the verses. And I've kind of stopped here at Matthew 8. Go over to Matthew, the 8th chapter. Matthew 8. You'll hear these guys preach. I'm going to give you some of their error. See, if you don't know the history of the Bible, and you don't have any dates on what's happening, you're not going to have any idea what's going on. So in Matthew 8, now Jesus is coming off of the mountain. The Sermon of the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, 7, 8. That's the Sermon on the Mount. All the blessed ones are there. We talk about the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are all the blessed ones. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You don't have the kingdom of God, which is another name for Israel, and you're not a Jew of the heart unless you're poor in spirit somewhere in your life. Poor is the word P-T-O-C-H-O-S. That word means it has the idea of a beggar and the shadow saying, God, whatever you would have me to have. It doesn't say, God, I'm going to name a Cadillac or a town car, and I want gold trim on the doors, and I want a gold. They will tell you this. I can take you to one of them lives right in this town that I know personally. I've corrected him in person out here in public. I told him. I said, Laverne, the problem in these churches is not abortion. It's not homosexuality. It's not rap music. It's not, it's not rock and roll music. The problem is in the pulpits. And he said, no, that's not right. He's ignorant. He's one of the big singers up there. Used to be. I told him, I said, you get out of the TBN. That's the biggest bunch of liars walking on the earth. They just out and out lie. Now, where was I? Okay, we're over here in Matthew 8. 
Jesus is coming off of the mountain after these messages right here. Blessed are the poor, the emptied out. You have to be emptied out to have the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven. There's something you need to know. Kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are one and the same thing. The Bible says the Beatitudes in Luke are in Luke the 6th chapter. But it's only that one chapter. The Bible says in Luke 6, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, why does it say kingdom of God in Luke and kingdom of heaven in Matthew? Here's why. About 200 years B.C., before Christ came, the rabbis said, we do not want to bring reproach upon God's name. So they said, we're going to start saying kingdom of heaven. This is why many of the scholars believe that Matthew was written to the Jewish believers. One of the reasons. So kingdom of God, you look up kingdom of God in our kingdom of heaven in McClinic and Strong. You'll have in parentheses kingdom of God kingdom of heaven so you have to be poor in spirit you have to be emptied out of self has God emptied you yet has he beat you enough to get your attention God nearly killed me the reason I'm so hard on sin is I was involved in it up to my eyeballs you haven't gone through anything that I haven't gone through I was a gospel singer. That's the biggest bunch of pagans I have ever been around. Then I was a pop singer, went over across. I never had the dealings with pop singers that I had with gospel singers. They are the, mo the worst of the worst. You say, Jim, why is that? If you're singing in a big name gospel group, Whoever books you, books you into churches for a Sunday morning and a Sunday night and through the week. When you go in, the only service they have is a concert by the gospel group. I was with the Blackwoods back in the mid-60s, and they never had a preaching. So, therefore, when you go in, the only preaching they get is from the MC of the gospel group. That's it. And a guy may be in the Florida Boys or the Stamps Quartet or the Blackwood Brothers or the Statesman for 30 years and never hear any truth. Because the only guy that's going to talk the truth is either the lead singer or the baritone singer in the group. That is their MC. That's all they ever hear. So therefore, you could be in a gospel group and they chase women, they drink. You guys know that. I'm looking at the camera. You're a bunch of heathens. I mean, heathens, capital H. Got women on the side, they drugging, they... I had one steel guitar player that used to play for Jimmy Dickens. I think this steel guitar player is dead now, but he told me 30 years ago. He said, we could go to these Jesus singers talking about a real famous gospel group that's now a country group. You probably know who it is. He said, we know that we could get any drugs we wanted from them. I don't like gospel music. I like the music, but I don't like the singers. 
I don't like most of the music because it's written by a bunch of free will people. You can't trust it. Now, so where was I? All right. Blessed are the meek. Pros. P-R-A-U-S. They shall inherit the earth. What in the world does that mean? They inherit the earth. If you look up heaven in the McLennan Strong and go to the end of the article, a couple of pages through it, it'll have an article on heaven and earth. It will tell you that the heavens, heavens was the ruling Christ and the earth They'll call it the plebeians. A plebe is a beginner. They'll call it the plebes or the poor. So the earth is the ruled. That's the... And the heavens is the ruling class. And you look up heavens and the first thing it'll say in McClinic and Strong, the heavens is the governing body. It'll also say that horns are the same thing as heavens. And that mountains has the same meaning. If you don't look these, if you got some clinic and strong, for goodness sake, use them. Most people don't that have them. Look up heavens. It'll say the ruling body. And the Jews believed in three, they believed in seven heavens. The Bible teaches us of three heavens. They teaches us the ruling class. How could Israel be the ruling class? How? Well, God tells Israel time and time again, particularly in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy. He said, if you obedient to my statutes and my laws, here's what I'll do for you. I'll fill up your basket. When you go out, you'll carry more than you can hold in your basket. I'll fill up your storehouses. I'll fill up your field with the richest of crops. And he said, the babies that come out of your womb will be healthy. None of them will be stillborn. And the only thing you have to do is obey me and my commands. Do you think that applies to us? And then he said, one other thing you'll do. You'll go against your enemy one way. They'll flee seven ways. And it doesn't matter how many there are. Israel went it took 500,000 fighting men at one point in Second Chronicles, the 14th chapter. And Asa went against a million Ethiopians. Whew, wow. Not only that, the Ethiopians had 300 iron chariots. An iron chariot is one with the wheels with the scythes or the swords on the side of them. Nobody could fight that. Nobody could win. But Asa was one of the most righteous kings of the Old Testament. And he went against them, and they whipped them, as the old saying goes, hip and thigh. Beat the tar out of these Ethiopians. 
at one point, Ahab, king of Israel, an evil king, Ben-Hadad was the king of Syria, right above Israel, right up to the right of Israel. And he come down and said, I want an unconditional surrender of Israel. I want nobody to fight me. I want you to give in to me. This is Syria up here. He came down to Israel and he said, I want you to lay down arms. Unconditional. So Israel went against the Syrians in the mountains. And when they went against them, they beat them. Israel had 7,000 fighting men. The Syrians had 127,000 fighting men. And Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, said, Well, ain't no wonder you beat us. Your God is the God of the mountains. Boy, that infuriated God. God says, You have asked for it, Buster. They called their gods demons. They were calling God a demon, and your God is a demon of the mountains. He's not a demon of the plains. God said, just for that, he told his prophet to go to Ahab. Now, God, here's what God is saying. Ahab is an evil king, and I'm going to get rid of him, but Ben-Hadad, you're a heathen. You don't tell my king what he's going to do. I'll kill him about two chapters later, but it's not going to be at your hand. It'll be at mine. So they went against him, 7,000. 7,000. Here's what the Bible says. Here's how you become a king. You're obedient to God, and you rule in a world of pagans and heathens. You don't rule literally. You just rule people. All right. You can rule them with the word of God. And the Bible says the Syrians covered the land. It was their army. The Bible says Israel encamped against them like two little flocks of kids. A kid was a goat. It's like just two little flocks are going to attack all these people. And God says, you're not going to tell my king, Ahab, I'll kill him in my time. And the prophet goes to Ahab and says, who's going to give this order to fight all these people? The prophet said, you are. Give it and go. And they went against them. And they slaughtered over 100,000 out there on the plain. That's being a king. Let me tell you how it happens to you. I've given this illustration many times. I was in real estate for years. And people, when I was preaching at the end of my real estate career, they had a tendency to make fun of me or try to catch me. They wanted to try to get me. And... I went into this one real estate company to get a key and a loud mouth, boisterous, retired Marine sergeant come out. I had worked with him in another company. And he come out cussing. 
He knew the things that I believed. And there were three or four plastic women sitting on a couch over here. Do you know what I'm talking about? They were waiting for their clients, all dressed up, dressed to kill. And he come out wanting to show off to them. Blankety, blankety, blank. I told him, I said, you feel good? When he first come out, I said, you feel good? Well, you must have Jesus in your heart. And boy, that embarrassed him so bad he let out a slew of cuss words. He didn't like me embarrassing him in front of those women by saying the word Jesus. And he said, blankety, blankety, blank. I said, well, I can tell you don't have Jesus in your heart. But what's coming out of your mouth or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. He said, I, I've got to get out of here. He turned around and started to run. That's how you rule the world. Just say Jesus in front of people. And they don't like that. There's another guy I used to work with. Went with another company. Had a loose mouth. He was down here at Ace Hardware. We were in the back of the store. He said, and he's a funny guy, always joking. Had a real crazy sense of humor. He said, Jim, I've been listening to you on the radio. How in the hell do you learn all that stuff? I said, well, first of all, Bill, I don't learn it in hell. Here's what I do. I said, I stay up all night long studying and studying and studying. Now, he knew you talk like that in front of me. I'm going to get you in front of people and embarrass you. So I waited until he got up to the front. People were crowded around the counter. I started talking about Jesus loud and clear. I don't remember what I said, but he got it real embarrassed, took in his head, wanted to run. That's how you rule the world. Use the name Jesus publicly, but be sure you use the right Jesus because there's two Jesus in the Bible. Paul said, one comes preaching another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel. When I'm talking to these people, I use the name Jesus freely. That, you know, that's a word that makes people extremely uncomfortable. They'll talk about God and love and God loves us all and say real slushy stuff. But they won't talk about Jesus. Now, that's how you rule the world. Now, let's get back to this subject. So, here we are, the meek are the downtrodden, are the lowly. They're the ruled. So anytime you get into heaven and earth, including new heavens and new earth, don't have time to go there, I've got to get back to the lesson. All right. Now there's doctrines that these charismatics, what does charismatic mean? Here's what it means. Charismatic comes from the word charis. Now, Brittany and Glenn know what that means. That's what they named their daughter over there. Is that Charis over there? Is she sleeping? I think so. <laughs> Sweet little girl. They named their daughter Charis. That's, that's the word grace. Grace. Good name. Great name. Charis is grace. It means un, unmerited favor. So the charismatics say God has favored them with faith healing. With tongues. 
with one of the stupidest doctrines I have ever heard any of them say. With slain in the spirit. Look over here and i got to give you these things. Some of them are just real quick to give you. Look at John 6. John 6. I'm going to show you what the Spirit does. And that's Catherine Kuhlman started that. She was a wacky woman. I don't know if you remember her. You can go online and look up Catherine Kuhlman. She used to come out and she looked like Barbara Steele. Now you probably don't know who Barbara Steele is. I know she was in a lot of black and white movies in the 50s. She'd come out like this with a long flowing dress. This way Catherine coming out. And her eyes would be real big. And Catherine Kuhlman had a great big swath of cloth flowing down. I love God. And she'd whack somebody and they'd fall down. Just looks like spooky. She looked frightening. And she started the slang in the spirit. Benny Hinn says, Catherine Kuhlman was his mentor. He goes out to her grave and stands in front of it, and her spirit comes up in him. You believe that? Benny Hinn is a crook, is what he is. He's a con artist. Somebody needs to call these guys down. I'm willing to do it. Are you? I will say it to their face. I just want to please God. If I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. I really don't care what men say anymore. Just don't care. I'm too old to care. I've had experiences with God where he nearly killed me. So, God, I'll say the truth all the time. But they say when you whack somebody and they fall on the floor, I notice when they fall on the floor, they just lay there and look around. My little brother, Dean, Dean and Mary Brown, he was on Benny Hinn one night. Of course, he's one of their singers, and Benny got him and whacked him on the floor. I kept looking at Dean. He's going... <laughs> What they're doing is they're playing to those leaders. They're saying, I want to make him happy so I can, I'm going to fall on the floor and do what he says. But look here what John says. John 6. John, the sixth chapter. I've quoted this, but I want you to look at it. John 6. All right. Look here in uh, verse 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth, makes alive. The Spirit does not kill, slay. That's dumb. Catherine Kuhlman started that. Don't you believe that? That's a phony act. The Spirit, Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O. I need to give you some of the things that they say. Show you how stupid it is. This is pick quicken. Means to make zoo. You go to a zoo to see living animals. It means to make alive. The spirit doesn't kill anybody. 
Now, I'm going to give you another verse that they use. Look over here. And you have to know some dates on this to understand this. You have to know dates. I say that once in a while. Look at Isaiah 54. This is one of their favorite verses. Isaiah 54. And they'll say, nobody can beat you. Nobody can stop you. And here's a verse that proves this. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. See, nothing can prosper against you. The only problem, if you have, if you have a Thompson Chain Bible, they'll give you the date right up beside that that this was that this was written, seven twelve B.C. Approximately. This is approximately 712 B.C. Who forms the weapons against Israel? Who formed them? God forms, God forms the weapon. Who were the swords against Israel? Who was this system? Babylon? Persia, Greece, and Rome. Babylon. Carried Israel away into captivity in 722 B.C. That is 10 years before this is even written. And they slaughtered Israel, burned the city down, tore the walls of the temple down 10 years before. What does that mean, no weapon formed? The weapon won't prosper. That word prosper doesn't mean money. It's a word, salak, T-S-A-L-A-C-H. T-S-A-L-A-C-H. That Babylon, northern Israel was carried away in 722 B.C., northern Israel not by Babylon, by Syria. And Isaiah was preaching to the Assyrian Empire Isaiah to the Assyrian Empire for how they were and he called them against Israel then he prophesied against them said I'm going to destroy you. Well, Babylon overthrew Assyria. Assyria. Babylon overthrew Assyria in 605 B.C. And Babylon had, had overthrown. Babylon took southern Judah captive. Judah captive in 586 B.C. This statement of no, no weapon formed against you will prosper, that word prosper, salak, means to push forward. And northern Israel had been carried away in 722, so it means what carried northern Israel 
Assyria will not continue to push forward. It will be destroyed and overthrown by Babylon in 605. And then Babylon will be overthrown by Persia. All these swords are against Israel. Babylon will be overthrown by Persia in 539. And right in the middle of all of this being overthrown, the verse that says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. They say this makes you the winner. No, it's formed against people that are liars and going after other gods. By God, God is one that forms these weapons. They don't even look at the dates on this. This is talking about after northern Israel had fallen and before southern Judah had fallen. And God is the one that raises up these weapons to bring them down and then he destroys them. After he wields the sword in his hand, cuts Israel down, he says, now I'm through with that sword. Break, throw it away. Now I'm going to pick up another one. It's God that does it. These verses they use are insane, the way they interpret them. For one thing, they don't know the history. They don't know the dates on it. Now, look back over. I'm going to give you something else they say. Oh, let me go to Joshua. Here's a favorite verse of theirs. Joshua. You'll hear them quote this from time to time. They take everything completely out of context, don't even have any idea what it's talking about. Joshua, if you hear them say these things, they use them for their own benefit. Joshua, the first chapter. I've heard him quote this. I heard a Baptist quote this nearly every Sunday when I was around and then he died. Verse 8, chapter 1. Favorite verse of the Charismatics. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Same word, tzalak. It means to push forward. It means you will push forward in the work that God would have you to do, coming back you got to understand where this is. Joshua is leading the people into Israel after 40 years in the wilderness, 400 years in bondage, and they're going to push forward till they get into Canaan, but they ain't none of them going to be rich. And they're going to start from scratch. So when he says this in the book of Joshua, it's not talking about, so you may have money. So we may push forward and get into the land. You need to know what these guys are saying about the Bible. Look over here in Deuteronomy 8. How much time do I have, Mike? 26. I'm going to try to give you all of this I can. These are verses they use. Now, in Deuteronomy, that's at the very end of the bondage. You got Israel, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Numbers is a very interesting book. That's the time period 
when they're in Mount Sinai, down here where Moses gets the law, it's all of their travels in the wilderness. That's what Numbers is about. Very interesting book. That's where Moses murmurs against the people and God murmurs against the people. God tells him to speak to a rock to get water out of it. And Moses is so mad, he strikes the rock twice. God said, just for that, you're not going into the promised land. And Moses began to weep before God said, God, please let me go. He said, no. Gosh, how bad do you have to be to be forbidden? Moses wept before the Lord. God said, nope. You're the example in this land and you just ignored what I told you. What a God we serve. Now, in Deuteronomy 8, the Charismatics use one verse here just to corrupt the Word of God. Here, they use this verse in 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth. <laughs> That's funny. Most people think wealth is money. That's the word C-H-I-Y-L. When translated, most of the time that's translated. I've got a paper here with all the times in the Old Testament that is translated. It is a word that's usually translated. Let me just give you some of these. Gives thee power to get wealth. Wealth to the Jew was if you had a house with a dirt floor, had a house with a dirt floor, had a doorway, you had a step upside the house, you had tiles on the top of the house so you could put all your grains and your figs up there and dry them out. You had a fig tree out here. You had one donkey. You were considered a wealthy Jew. Israel was a very poverty-stricken land. Now you got to understand, they're just coming out of 40 years. The book of Deuteronomy is the very end of their 40 years. The very end. You want to see Moses' death, look in the last chapter, the 33rd chapter. Moses died... He was forbidden to go into the land, but God says, when we get to the Jordan River, this is Israel, he said, Moses, I've told you, you can't go into the land. And here's the Dead Sea. This is the Jordan River flowing into it from the Sea of Galilee. He said, I'll take you on top of this mountain, Mount Pisgah. We sing a song about Mount Pisgah's lofty heights. And God said, Moses, you can look at the land, but that's all. Boy, what a sad thing. He said, you can't go in. I said you couldn't. Don't beg me. Don't you ask me one more time. I don't understand that, but I believe it. 
So you want to know about Moses forbidden? They're in Deuteronomy. When they crossed the river, if they could get a house with a dirt floor and a fig tree, they would say, Blesses the man that lieth under his fig tree. And you were considered wealthy. That's not talking about having a million dollars. That's insane. In fact, if you look at the verses before that, in fact, the common word I've already told you about, blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You get the kingdom and you're ruling as long as you're obedient to God. That's more or less what this verse is saying. That word wealth is the word kayil. The ka it's commonly used to translate nearly every word that has to do with this in the Old Testament. Virtue, army. What is our army? What is our weapon? It's the sword, which is the word of God. That's what makes people back away from us. Start talking to them about the Bible. You know how to get rid of these these automatic phone calls? Start talking to them about predestination. Well, sorry, I have to get I have to get off the phone here. Start telling them about Christmas, and they'll get off the phone. They, well, 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 I got I have done that to them. One time, a guy called and he said. Sir, you have won a chance to win this car that's worth $30,000. I said, man, we've won, we've won, we've won. He said, he said but sir, sir, wait a minute. You got, you got a chance. I said, I kept saying, but we've won, Mary. <laughs> that bothered him so bad he wanted to get off the phone. It don't matter what you say to these people that are calling to say you something. Talk about predestination to them. Watch what they do. They get off the phone. Now Dave does that. He calls. He calls Billy Graham. Hotline number. He'll tell you about it dozens of times. He's done that. You called him the other day, and what was you said? I just started preaching. The guy and said, "Thanks for listening." And hung up because I knew he was wouldn't say anything. Okay, you have to call for prayer. This is a prayer line. <laughs> You start telling me about predestination. Yeah, or? I wouldn't let him get a word ahead. <laughs> <laughs> David's mischievous. He does that for fun. <laughs> I laugh every time he does it. But let me give you another word that they use that's connected with this. Here's one of their favorite of all favorite verses in Proverbs the 13th chapter. Look at this. But hold your place here in Deuteronomy. They twist God's word all to pieces. In Proverbs the 13th chapter. I'm coming back to Deuteronomy 8. You can't take the word of God and use it for your own benefit. Proverbs 13. 13. And you've probably heard them use this verse. Proverbs 13 and verse 22. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. What kind of inheritance do we leave? The truth. That's what we leave. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. 
Have you heard them say that? Wealth is the word kayil. It means army. Well, if we are the army of God, it's because we're obedient to his word and we are the heavens, right? Heavens and kayil would have basically the same meaning. You've got the word... Kayil is the word word uh, valiant in 1 Samuel 18, 17. It's the word host, which means all of the army in 1 Samuel 17 and 70. I, I can't read all these. It's the word valiant and valor in 1 Kings 1 and 42 and 10 and 2. It's the word army in 2 Kings 5, uh, 25 and 5. Twice it's the word valiant, it's the word might, it's the word valor. It doesn't mean money. God gives you the power to overcome the enemy when you come into the land and you're in the book of Deuteronomy. You've got an army as long as you're obedient to me. It's the common word army or virtue or valiant. It's only used a few times for wealth. Now, Let's go back over here to the 8th chapter. What I'm trying to do is teach you what the Charismatics teach and show you how wrong it is. They say they have all these gifts and they don't have any gifts. They're not healing anybody. Benny Hinn's not healing anyone. Somebody says, well, I knew a guy that was healed at Benny Hinn Crusade. Let me be blunt. No, you don't. <laughs> Nobody was healed in his Crusades. You remember the old guy that played Cheyenne Bodie on TV, black and white? Clint Walker. He went to a Benny Hinn crusade. Benny Hinn was supposed to heal him, but he didn't. He died. Evander Holyfield, the great boxer, went to Benny Hinn's crusade and was supposed to have been healed, but he didn't. He's still walking around with his illness. <laughs> John MacArthur wrote a book, Charismatic Chaos, said this one woman went to Benny Hinn's crusade to be healed, and she was a real skinny little woman, and there was a man in front of her, and Benny Hinn whacked him, and he fell on her and killed her at the crusade. You think that was the Lord? And in John's book, he said this man and this woman the man was the son of the woman went to Benny Hinn's crusade. They had terminal cancer and he healed them and they were both dead in a month. They're not healing anybody. You know what? I'm going to tell you what the charismatic movement is. It's legal crime. And the reason it's legal is because they can't be prosecuted because they're hiding behind quote, ministry, unquote. And they've all got a corporation and they all have tax-deferred status. And there's been senators tried to chase them down. They know they're lying. They own $20 million jet planes. They, own, they all drive $250,000, $300,000 Bentleys and Rolls Royces. Me and Mary were up here eating one time at what used to be the little restaurant the other side of Publix. And uh, 
one of the waitresses said she said all those people from TBN came in there and sat down at a long table and she said all they talked about was their fancy cars one had a Bentley and one Bentley's are unbelievably expensive uh, Creflo Dollar's church bought him a $350,000 Bentley one year for Christmas they live like billionaires and all of them are going to go to hell together don't think well I don't like those people because I don't like churches I've been tied up with people like that we ain't like that that's like that's like comparing a bar down here on the Star Club with Starlight Club with righteousness up here at Grace and Truth. I'd rather be in the Starlight Club than up here at TBN. I call it DBN because it is the Devil's Broadcasting Network. Devil is the word demonian means to distribute fortunes. That's our word demon. What are they doing? Distributing fortunes to themselves. I don't like those people. They hurt the poor. We give to the poor. Now, where was I? I'm trying to give you Deuteronomy 8. They're coming out of the wilderness. There's none of them rich. How can they be rich? They don't have a land. They don't have camels. They don't have nothing but what they've accumulated in the wilderness for 40 years. Deuteronomy is the end of that that seeds there or that that journey through the wilderness it's a siege against them let's back up here in verse 11 beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments if you keep the commandments you're going to be the heavens you're going to be in charge and his judgments and his statutes which I commanded this day if you don't keep his judgments and statutes, and this applies to us too, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built good goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when the herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then what happens? Then thine heart be lifted up and forget the Lord thy God when you get money rich. That's what you do, isn't it? The rich don't have any need for God. Hendersonville is one of the richest towns in Tennessee. This being a lake town, when the big stars get hit records, they move out here and try to find some lake property. You know what lake property costs here? I used to sell real estate here. A lake lot with no house on it, an acre and a half, is probably in the neighborhood of a million and a half with no house. And they come in here and they build a monstrous structure. Everybody wants to be run with the rich. The rich live here. This is just like Franklin. It's wealthy. You want to, you don't believe it? Just drive down at the end of Indian Lake Road and go into Hidden Lake and go into Governor's Point. One person down there, one super rich guy, he's got about 10 acres. He's got a detached garage with about five car garage and an apartment above that and three car garage on his house got enough room there to be a golf course except for the trees 
They are loaded out there. And they're all going to go to hell together. They're just like Billy, uh, Billy Joel. We'll all go down together. That's what I, that's what I think of. I want to say, y'all need to sing Billy Joel's song. We're all going down together. Now, let's keep reading. If you get too much money, you're going to forget God. You can't be reached with too much money. When I brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth out of the rock flint, rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna. Manna means what is it? It's what it means. Mon, M-A-W-N. They came out the first day in the 16th chapter of Exodus. They looked at this white stuff on the ground, and they said, what is it? God said, that's what we'll call it. And Moses said, we're going to call it, what is it? Sometimes the mayor will be cooking. I said, what are you cooking? She'll say, manna. <laughs> All right. Let's keep reading. He's reprimanding them for having too much money, isn't he? For having too much. I fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou sayest in thine heart, My power and my might and mine hand hath got me this kale, this pressing forward. God says, No, that ain't it. But thou remember that the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get this so-called wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto the fathers, as it is this day. He's calling them down for getting too much. Let me show you a verse over here in Luke, the sixth chapter. I don't know what they think about this when they read it. Luke 6. If God has given you an ability to make money, first of all, you should tithe to the Lord's house. That's not your money. I tithe. My wife tithes. We don't ask each other what we're going to tithe. Tithe means tent. People say, well, that's not New Testament teaching. It certainly is. In 1 Corinthians, the Bible says what the, what the priest received in the Old Testament belongs to the preacher now. That's a reference to Numbers, the 18th chapter. The tithe belongs to the preacher so he can pay the bills, the light bill, the rent, the building payment, whatever. We spend about 30 Six to thirty-seven thousand dollars a month just to break even at Grace and Truth. Of course, we're on TV in a bunch of towns and cities. We have to pay rent. We give away all of our DVDs. Everything is free. We don't charge anybody for anything. The only thing we ask is that you give to the poor. And I've got a benevolent fund at the bank that that goes into. And when it's given on Sunday, I go to the bank and I separate the benevolent fund. 
And I put that in the BNF account, is what it's called. And I put the rest in the operating fund, and then I have some left over, we put it in the building fund. And if God sees fit, we'll get a small building, but that's all we need. You're never going to have a mega church preaching against the rest of these churches. Now, where was I going? Luke 6. Luke 6. See, they don't even look to see if these things are in the Bible. Luke 6. Luke 6. He says basically the same thing. Look at verse 24. Woe unto you that are rich. Woe is a cry of grief. O U A. Uh, it's a cry of condemnation. Woe unto you that are rich. You have received your consolation, your paraclesis. P-A-R-A-K-L-E-S-I-S. -A it comes from parakaleo, P-A-R-A-K-A-L-E-O, which is the word comfort. You've got your comfort. It's not the Holy Spirit. It is your money. I believe if God gives somebody the ability to make a lot of money and they're truly believers, you need to commit everything you are to God. I'm not saying don't buy a new car. I Don't buy a $250,000 Bentley. Buy a nice new Chevrolet. Buy, be conservative. And be sure and have the oil changed every 3,000 miles, okay? <laughs> and it'll last you forever. I just don't believe what these guys are saying. They lie as fast as they talk. And the next verse says, One to you that are full, for ye shall hunger. One to you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. They have. They all get in there and they laugh. They have this laughing thing that they do. It's just disgusting. And a guy named Rodney Howard Brown started that. And they all laugh and fall on the floor. Have you seen that? It's stupid. The Bible says there's a cry of damnation against you if you got this laughing disease that they call a religion. I don't know what they do with these words. There's so many other things that they're saying. It's all lies. I don't like I don't like the Baptists what they're preaching. They're not telling truth either. I don't know of a church in America that's trying to tell all the truth. They're not talking about demons being self. They're not talking about Christmas is Christ Mass is Roman Catholicism. It was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. Why do you think that is? America's been celebrating Christmas about 120 to 25 years. That's it. You won't see George Washington around a Christmas tree in a painting in the White House. They didn't do it then. You won't even see Abe Lincoln in 1865 doing it. At least before he died, before he was killed. They didn't do it then. Most of your great-grandparents -grandpa great knew that it was pagan. And people say, well, we just want to keep it for Jesus. It was an orgy. 
It's Christmas is insanity is what it is. It's not thinking rational. I got so much more on this. Do I have any time left? You know how much I've got on this. The charismatics, they are out and out liars. The reason I don't like them, they're stealing from the poor. They say, it's amazing to me how they get their name in the middle of these verses. If you send your money to me, then you'll prosper and be in health. Kenneth Copeland, how did you get your name in Third John 2? I wish above all things out there may have prospered being healthy if you send your money to Kenneth Copeland. Why can't I just send it to the poor and prosper and be in health? Except it's not our word prosper, not our word health. What amazes me, people don't even question what these preachers are saying. They never question the Baptists say, all you got to do is accept Christ as your personal Savior, and you can't accept Christ when you're dead in sin. You can't press sinner's prayer when you're dead. Have you ever tried to get a dead man to talk? I'm out of time. When I get to talking about the charismatics, I want to stay up here all day and tell you what they're like. They're crooks. And you know what they believe? Well, poor Jim Brown. He's a Christian, but he's just bitter and sour. You bet your life I am. Do you think it's okay? They had a trick going on years ago. Some guy would be filling up some lady's driveway with gravel. And a load of gravel was at that time like $200 or something like that. And they said this one guy would unload half a load of gravel on one driveway. He'd drive down the street and some little old lady... She had a driveway that needed gravel, and he'd stop and say, I've got a special today. I did a driveway up the street for only $500, twice the price of a beloved load. And crooking this, if somebody stole your grandmother's or your mother's money that way, would you be angry at them? I'm angry at those people for stealing from the poor. If the poor weren't involved in this, I'd say those guys are nuts and I'd leave them alone. Let them go on their way. It's the poor they abuse. Let me tell you one word that, that God told Moses in the 22nd chapter of Exodus. He said, you tell Israel, when they get to the land where they're going, they're in the wilderness, you tell them, if they oppress the widow and the orphan, and the widow and the orphan cry out to me, I will hear their cry, and you tell Israel, I will kill you with a sword if you do that. That is an indictment against all the charismatics. They're oppressing the poor. I don't oppress the poor, I give to the poor. You can't say, well, they need to get it together. They can't get it together. We've got little ladies here and little, little men that... They don't have any get up and go. No business acumen. They can't help it. God didn't make them that way. Don't take it out on them. You help them. And I don't, well, they're not dedicated to Christ. I don't wait till a man gets completely dedicated to the Lord before I help him. And I don't check out everybody to find it. Do you believe in predestination? Do you believe Christmas is pagan? If you don't, I ain't going to give you nothing. 
Let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. God, help us to continue in this work. Lord, sometimes I don't even know what to ask for. You know what I need before I ask. Deal with our hearts. Fight our battles. Lead us to your elect family. And Lord, convict people with this message so that they will become up in arms too about these things that are happening in America. We'll give you praise for everything. In Christ's name, amen. I'm not sorry for that message. Hey, Rich. Hey, Judy, Judy, Judy. Are you Jim? I'm pretty. Hey, Clem. You want to go? Okay.